Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 152 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. So I love recording all episodes of the STC podcast, but these sessions, sessions like today's are one of my most favorite because I get to have a conversation with a colleague who thinks outside the box of what it means to be a private practitioner and uh, and create something. My guest today is Roseanne Marmor. Roseanne is a licensed clinical social worker in Portland, Oregon, and through a lot of just observation and talking to clients and getting feedback, Roseanne had this idea to create something called a feelings wheel. And She wanted a way that clients could remember the things that they were learning in session, but also as a way for them to be able to better identify their feelings both in and out of the therapy room and in the moment. And so in today's podcast, what we're going to do is just talk about the process of creating this feelings wheel, how Roseanne gathered data. So just FYI, this was literally a one and a half year journey of developing this. And we're going to talk about how she researched, how she even put this idea onto paper and how she worked through all of the little bumps in the road that comes with creating anything new. And then how she actually went and printed this and all of the anticipated and unanticipated things that came from from creating this feelings wheel. This is a great episode for anyone, but particularly if you're thinking about creating some sort of a, a product down the line and You're just kind of wondering what all of that would even look like. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, This is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just, I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner uh, specifically for therapists. And 
His whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, It's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So we'll get right to today's conversation. So here is my conversation with Roseanne Marmore from RoseanneMarmoreLCSW.com. Hi, Roseanne. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. It's great to be here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Uh, We were talking about this right before we got started, but I just love and appreciate when clinicians really think outside the box in terms of their practices, but also like in terms of how to serve their clients. And uh, you created this something called a feelings wheel. And and I saw the visual because you had posted this in the Facebook community. And I was like, this is amazing. How did you do this? (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I do a lot of narrative therapy, and Mm. so I have done a lot of letter writing, which I found to be incredibly helpful. But the idea of letter writing can be lengthy at times, and to do it consistently is challenging. So that was a part of it, was I wanted to have sort of a transitional object from the session to the home. And then the other piece, the reason it's very focused on feelings is because I see a lot of people who have disabilities or maybe have, are in recovery and dealing with addiction. And so the idea that it can be really challenging to connect to the actual feeling and then know what to do with it has been a lot of the work that I do inside the room uh, with clients. And so we've like acted out feelings and we've talked about feelings and I have a feelings jar for people to pick and choose. But it felt like once they could identify it, they still didn't know what to do with the feeling. So the idea of the feelings wheel is to give them a grip, a real way to hang on to it and feel their feelings and think their thoughts. So that's kind of the, the point of it. That's so interesting. So was this, you said, developed from seeing just a variety of clients, a lot of clients who have disability, a lot of clients who are in addiction or recovery. And Uh was this something that kind of evolved over time? Or was it just sort of a light bulb moment where I'm like, I should create a feelings wheel? So I live in Portland, Oregon, and we have, this is a little bit of an odd connection, but we have a food festival here called Feast. And I went to one of the events and there was an organization that was talking about the pear industry in Oregon. And they had a wheel that was in the shape of a pear. And when you turned the wheel, it would say like Bosque and it would be like, good for baking, really sweet. (laughs) And they gave me one and I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, this is a feelings wheel. (laughs) I was like, I have to make this thing. So that's actually what happened was I just saw something else and it just seemed to work perfectly for what I was seeing in my practice. 
That's so fascinating. I, <laughs> I'm always impressed by, I mean, this has happened to me. Like, so for example, the name Selling the Couch literally came to me in the shower. I had wow. hours and hours trying to write down and come up with the name, but I didn't come up with anything. But it's fascinating to me, like how some of our most creative ideas come when we're actually in periods of kind of relaxation or yep. we're actually not thinking about the thing that we're trying to create. Yep. Our slinky is open. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so you said, and the name, it sounds like you just knew you were going to call it a feelings wheel. No, I've been working on this for about a year and a half. Hmm. And my marketing person did all the design work and sort of made it look really pretty. And she would, her and I called it a health wheel. And then when I finally produced it and I had the thing in my hand and I started giving it out to people, my clients were like, oh my God, this is the best feelings wheel ever. <laughs> so they named it. <laughs> I didn't name it. <laughs> I was That's calling amazing. it a health wheel. <laughs> so No, I mean, there's such a good like pearl of wisdom in that, in that people <clears throat> that are going to be using the thing that we create, they can give mm -hmm. us so much information and data in yep. terms of whether it's naming or what it's going to look like or, you know, how it's formatted any all that kind of stuff i know it's really cool so you said a couple of different things so let's go a little bit deeper i feel like so i'm like almost imagining i'm like with you at this food festival right and so you <laughs> see this wheel and you were getting this information from sessions and i feel like for all of us like we could present this information in all sorts of different ways right so maybe you could have created a video where you talked about sort of the feelings and and sort of connecting it outside a session maybe you could have created a graphic or i don't know like a podcast or something right or a blog post something what actually made you present it in the, present this information in the way that you did the most important piece that I think we forget is that people are tactile and the way that they learn is usually through experience. So even if there's somebody who learns through video or a computer, the, the idea of touching it and moving it and actually interacting with it. So it, it has a hole in the middle. It's like a rivet that makes the two pieces turn. Hmm. And, you know, people are pinning it on their bulletin board so that it, swirls they keep it in their purse their partners steal them <laughs> they ask me for another one so it's like you know part of it is that when if there's three different ways of learning then the idea of the feelings wheel gives people in that moment three different ways of connecting to something and the idea that really is you know the the messages about what to do with each feeling are really connected to being mindful and so understanding what's happening in the moment in your body is the most important part of any of these feelings that I've sort of identified. So I think it's this transitional object. They're continuing to understand and manage the fact that I'm with them and supporting them as they're going through this journey. Mm. But then the other part is that they're getting to touch it and feel it and look at it and play with it. It also can be used as a Frisbee. Yeah, it's hard not to want to try. I guess the other thing I was thinking as you were talking about this is it gives clients a different level of ownership into their own therapeutic journey, right? You bet. You said something, there's three different ways of learning. So there's tactile, is that right? 
Mm-hmm. For you, what are the other? Well, the way that I see it is basically you're a visual learner, you're a tactile learner, or you're a learner who has to have speech, mm. actual you know language coming at you. Mm. And what's really cool about the feelings wheel is that people keep saying, "Well, I hear your voice every time I go to play with it." Oh wow, that's cool. You see, so oh. yeah, the messages in the feelings wheel are things I say in my practice. Mm. You know. So that is really fascinating. So it's almost like clients have attributed certain phrases to you. Right. Right. And so exactly. the audio or the audio component or the that that component then is is resonating. So the other two parts, are they sort of incorporated into the feelings wheel? So the tactile is. So like the visual, is there is it simply words or are there like graphics and it's got a similar background to mm. my website, so it has mm. some color to it. Mm. It has a suicide hotline number. It has mm. the crisis line number, mm. and it has a gay, lesbian, bi, trans questioning hotline number as well. Mm. And then it has um, two quotes, one by Kurt Vonnegut and one by Brene Brown about vulnerability. So it's very simple. I think the back of it is blank. And one of the people that I worked for said that she was so happy it was blank because she could color in it. So I think people see different parts that they really like about it. It's supposed to be not busy, you know, clean and simple. And it's got my website on there if people want to learn more, but it's not really for, for that, you know. Yeah, which I mean, I even think about someone that might be using it more likely than not, they're at least in a heightened state of uh, emotion. And so, especially in moments like that, it's much better to keep it very simple and straight to the point. Exactly. So, So you said you had some different pieces of information, crisis numbers, quotes, not at all to put you on the spot, but like, what was the rationale in in having that type of information versus other? Well, I wanted to just have hotline numbers. I picked three that I feel, you know, are local. They do good work. And they're places that my folks might need or want. And the other thing is that I guess when you put something out there, you don't know what's going to happen to it once it leaves your hands. Hmm. And if somebody gives it to someone else or shares it, or finds it in a coffee shop. I guess I felt like I have an opportunity to put some hotline numbers on there and make people feel or give people an opportunity to feel connected, not alone, that it was worth adding some of the hotline numbers. The feelings wheel is half positive type feelings and half feelings that can be more challenging for people. So I'm not trying to sort of say that every feeling is a negative feeling, but I did want to have hotline numbers on there because I have an awareness of people feeling empty and isolated when they're in that kind of a state. Um, And then the two quotes straddle the hotline numbers, which are more hopeful and add curiosity to the idea of vulnerability. So that was sort of why I made it look that way so that, you know, there's a balance. The idea of the, of the feelings wheel is that there's a balance between what it is that's happening for us positively and what we have to manage that can be harder for us and that we can't make it go away, right? You can't decide that the feeling isn't valuable. It's there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> you I know, guess, yeah, it's almost like it, it learns to appreciate, I don't know if appreciates the word, but appreciate the, the depth and the breadth of human emotion and experience. Exactly. 
it's amazing that you didn't just think about that this feelings wheel was just going to be given to a client, that you actually thought this might be distributed to others, right? So I don't know, like I, when you were saying that, I just thought, what is like a subtle way to include advocacy in what you created, right? So yeah, that's exactly the point. Yeah, no, um, yeah. it's very thoughtful. So. You said when we first started this conversation, you said you had a kind of a marketing person and that's sort of like where I wanted to kind of go next, which is how did you even go about creating this? So take us like through kind of the big steps, right? So idea at the food fair, you know, maybe you rolled a boss pair. I don't know any other pair, (laughs) but you roll that. And then like, what are the big steps after that? So my marketing person is unbelievable. She did my website and my logo and like, she's just amazing to work with and, and she's used to me. (laughs) So that's the other part. (laughs) So I can call. She knows how you think, right? Yeah. She knows how I think. And she knows that I get these ideas and I really want to implement them. Like I have other things that I've smaller things that I've created for my practice as well that she's helped me with. Hmm. But I called her up and I said, I really want to make this wheel. And as soon as I said what I wanted to do, she was like, it's a health wheel. She like knew exactly what it was I was talking about, even on the phone. Mm. We had a meeting and I showed her the pear and she took that and kind of ran with it. So the the pear was actually in the shape of a pear. And the one that I did, you know, obviously is a wheel. And so she was able to sort of I laid out the feelings and what I wanted to have inside each of the boxes. And then she was able to just format it in a way that would work. And I, the biggest challenge was that I would, she, you know, she would lay it out for me. She'd send it to me and I'd say, I don't like it. And she would say, but you wrote it. And I would say, I know I wrote it and I still don't like it. (laughs) And we would start all over again. And it just, I wanted it to be right. And I just, and sometimes I really need to see it in order to know whether it's right or not. Yeah. So So. it's almost like, I find like I'm actually kind of wired very similarly, which is I need to put something on paper and and then intuitively I know when it's done. Yep. Is that kind of similar for you? Yep. That's exactly what happened. That's why it took so long. Mm. I think the other piece was that once we had it done, she went out and started figuring out where to get it printed. And that was really hard. It was like, cause we, it's two pieces of sort of hard paper. Hmm. It's not really cardboard, but it's thicker and it's full color. And then it has a rivet in the middle and cause it's two pieces that have to turn. So she had to make sure it was totally aligned and right as it turned. But then it took a couple months to just find the, a printer who would do it. And then the printer had to send it to a grommet guy. So the, yeah. <laughs> this got yeah, complicated so very quickly. It quick. got complicated. But when I picked it up at the grommet place, the man was like, what are you, a therapist or something? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, actually I am. And he said, well, this is really cool. This feelings wheel thing. Everybody calls it that, you know. That's and so um, I know I said, well, would you like to have one? And he goes, oh, I got one. <laughs> It's really funny. As he he frisbeed it to you, right? (laughs) That's right. It's been a long time since that guy threw a frisbee. (laughs) I wanted to go back to something earlier you said, which was you were going back and forth 
in this whole process. Was she creating like, I don't know, like some kind of visual and just like emailing it to you or how was she getting yeah. drafts? Yeah. Yeah. She did that. She did that. She would send me like Dropbox files because they're big. They mm. get big. So, you know, the problem though was I'd print them and then I'd have to cut them and then I'd have to make sure they turn right. And that's what she was doing on her end. So it was just this back and forth, back and forth of like, is it turning when it turns? Can you actually see all the letters? Because the space has to be just right in order to see everything that's inside the window. But yeah, I've cut out 50 pieces of paper, putting them together, looking at them. I asked people, I had some colleagues and I went to them and said, you know, what do you think of this? And does this feel like it works? And I tested it out on a couple of people that I work for. So I didn't show them the draft of it, but I would say, does this kind of work if I said this to you or when you're doing this, does that work? And like kind of collecting information from them about words that resonated for them because you only have one or two words. It's not very big. You know, it's like the size of my hand. Yeah. So you had to be like really intentional about what you picked. And I guess the other thing I hear in that is you didn't want to make the assumption that just because you thought a word or phrase was important that like your clients or those you serve would, would see it as equally important. Exactly. Okay, so these designs are happening. I can't imagine trying to cut that many of these. Like, what made you keep going? Because the reason I ask that is just, I feel like many of us have these creative ideas and we start to work on the, like, the labor part of it. And what usually happens is it's not quite what we want and we keep running into roadblock after roadblock. And, you know, usually a lot of folks just stop, you know? So what made you keep going? I don't know. It's funny because I think that's true of my personality, frankly. Mm. That said, I really want to be in the service of the people I work for. I really want them to have the change they want, have freedom from the pain of their feelings, just the feeling, you know? And it's like, I guess it just felt like the right gift. I don't know how else to explain it. You know, it's like, They come in every week and they sit there and they bear their soul. And I wanted to offer. I just wanted to offer something to them. And, um, you know, I had a person say to me a couple of weeks ago, thank you so much for showing up every week. And I said Mm -hmm. to them, thank you. You're the one who shows up every week, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that. It's like a way to just offer, to -hmm. give. I'm just... I don't know. I'm like, I'm like really struck by that answer because I don't know if you know this, but I I recently created this online directory to help us to be able to better connect with one another. And as I just reflected on what you were saying and my own journey, I think initially I was just, there were definitely places where I was just frustrated and not sure if all of this was worth creating. But I think where things changed for me when I realized that I was just the person creating it, but this was something much bigger than me. And that's what I hear in what you're saying is that this feelings wheel, Roseanne's the person that's creating it, but this is something that's going to serve a lot of people and some of who you may never even meet. Right. I feel sometimes more like the implementer. Yeah. So say more about that. Like sort of like the feelings wheel was created out of the practice. You know, the creation of it was what I was seeing and learning and understanding, 
the idea of implementing it is really different. And I think, you know, some of what you're talking about is there are people who are really good at creating, mm. but it can be really hard to implement. It's a talent or a particular drive <laughs> to be able to do mm. both things and then believe in yourself enough that what you've created is worth implementing. What was the biggest lesson you learned about yourself in creating this and going through this whole journey of creating it? That I can invent something, that I can actually invent something that's three-dimensional. I mean, it's flat, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can take information, you can take an idea that comes to you, and that you can actually put that vision into a reality. Yep. I have another thing I really want to invent, and I've been thwarted a lot because I'm not an engineer, mm. and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't really understand those pieces of it, but... Mm. I believe I can do it. And part of it is because of all the work I did on the feelings wheel. I just need to figure out how. So it's the same thing. Yeah. It's almost that idea that once you take a risk and you carry out something that absolutely maybe scares you or intimidates you, the subsequent times of creating something, it's, it's not that it's like any easier, but I think there's something a little bit more manageable about it. Yeah. The second time is always easier. I have to remind myself of what I did and what I should not. <laughs> yeah. What was an unanticipated challenge that you had in creating this? The biggest thing was the cost. It was really a lot. It was very expensive to produce. I didn't realize I like you were talking about time and the thing about time is I mean I don't I know it's can be at a premium mm. but it's also all we have. We have time and like for me, my time when I'm working on something like this, I don't really think about it, how much it takes because mm. I've decided to do it. But the cost for printing and marketing, I mean, my marketing person, Teresa, is wonderful and she needs to be paid and every revision was an expense and then the printing was really more than I thought it would be. But I had been down the road. I knew what I was getting into. I kind of estimated ahead of time how much it was going to cost so i knew that it was going to be like that but it was still like should i do this you know it was that part was hard i think you're tapping into something which i think a lot of struggle with which is yeah. we have these ideas and then when we actually see the cost of it there's this sort of subtle doubt which is created which is am i going to get the return on investment and oh my gosh that's a lot of money like could that be spent elsewhere or all of those yep. kind of questions Agreed. I think I had given it to someone and he said to me a couple of weeks later, well, you know, I was sitting in my apartment and I was feeling really happy. And I thought to myself, where's that feelings wheel? <laughs> and I was like, oh, return on investment. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. I mean, you did a very subtle thing, which is in that moment of doubt and fear, you still allowed your heart to be able to hear like the counter voice, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yep. That's what I always, I say that to my clients all the time. You know, it's like in your head, your heart, and your gut line up. How do you end up using this with clients in session? Well, it's funny. I have given it to a lot of people and show it to them. Some people, what I like to do is wait and let somebody play with it and see if they can kind of figure it out on their own without mm. me saying anything. Mm. And then they'll usually the first thing they do is name it. Oh, look, it's a feelings wheel. Then they start playing with it. Some people have said, well, what, what do I do with it? And then I'll explain how it works, especially if they're a newer client. I found that the newer clients aren't connected to it as easily mm. as ones that I've been working with for a while. 
That said, I do want it to be a standalone piece so that I'm not needed to explain it. So really I give it to the client, they check it out, they play with it. Sometimes they ask questions, sometimes they're like, oh, they start planning what they're gonna do with it. I'm gonna put it on my fridge, I'm gonna put it on my wall, I'm gonna keep it in my purse. Can I have another one for my partner? <laughs> and then I'll check in after a couple of weeks and see if they've used it. Or generally what's been happening is they tell me that they use it, like I mentioned earlier where the man said, I was feeling happy and I was like, where's that wheel? You know, like I have one on there that's pride, feeling proud. And then can you feel it in your body and then expand that feeling? So giving people an opportunity to notice that there are these good things they're feeling and to have awareness of them and then to notice where they sit inside their own body. I wanted to ask you a really random question that I remembered earlier that I forgot. And now I remember. <laughs> sure. How did you decide how many copies or prints of that feeling wheel you would initially make? Was that like a cost decision or? Yeah, it was a cost decision. So basically what I've learned about technology and pretty much anything you're going to purchase is buy the most you can afford. So if you are going to get a computer, get the best computer you can afford. So I got the most I could afford. I got my original printing is 250 of them. Mm. Obviously, if I had gotten 500, it would have been cheaper per wheel. That said, I wanted to start relatively within my realm of funding, but I paid half marketing and half printing. Mm. So significant. And that just goes to show you how awesome my marketing person is because I put her through the ringer (laughs) with with this thing. (laughs) I heard recently, I think it was on a podcast that, no, actually it was an audio book, The 21 Laws of Leadership, that one of the most important hires is first hires for any company is someone that can assist you. And it sounds like your person is worth their weight in gold. Oh my God. She's wonderful. She's amazing. I don't know what I would have done without her. She changed my whole practice. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think this could be a whole other episode, but I mean, I've found this like over and over, which is like when I let go of my pride thinking that I need to do everything and just let people, you know, like hire out and just let people do what they need to do. I'm just a lot less stressed out and things tend to work out a lot better. So yeah, because you're focused on your expertise. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Roseanne, I'm so grateful for you. I I think this feelings wheel is going to be quite popular with our community. So where can folks learn about you and and reach out if they're interested in, in, in purchasing some from you? Well, I I have a website. It's my name. So it's R-O-S-A-N-N-E-M-A-R-M-O-R-L-C-S-W.com. And I actually don't have the wheel on my website yet. But if you get in touch with me through the website, I can show it to to people, you know, on video or something like that and talk about price if they want to buy them. But there's also tons of information about the work I do on the website as well. Perfect. Roseanne, thank you again for doing this. Thank you. I love your community. It's wonderful. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Roseanne. And I hope that this has your creative juices flowing. As I mentioned in the intro, I just I love conversations like this because I love the fact that we get to be in a field where we can create some pretty cool ways to serve our clients um, and also create some supplemental income for our practices. But 
I think mainly I, I just like it because I love the the service component, right? So for Roseanne, it was about creating a feelings wheel, but it was more about trying to be of service to her community. Show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 152. As I was uh, reflecting on this session and just my conversation with Roseanne, there was just one thing that, that kept coming up for me. And I think this is true for all of us, whether we're creating a physical product like Roseanne did with her feelings wheel, or we're creating some sort of a new service. And I think that that thought was that the first time we release something, it's not going to be perfect. It's actually going to be far from perfect. And it's the most important thing is that we release that very first iteration of whatever we're trying to create, because only then can we actually gather data and information about how to improve it. I see this all the time in, you know, even in our field where like we have a lot of folks in our field that are just highly creative. I would say the vast majority of folks are really creative. But what usually happens is those creative ideas just stay ideas because of the either perfectionism or the fear of uh, not getting it right or perfect the first time. And so more than anything, I just wanted to encourage you. And it's just something I've learned in my own journey that you have to put something into the world. Only then can you get feedback and, and make it even better. Again, show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 152. I imagine this is going to be a really cool conversation uh, just about some of the things that we're creating. If you'd like to join that conversation, please come join us over in the Selling the Couch community, which you can find at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want, and uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met, and you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day and uh, take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.